All right, here we go, the Jimmy Palumbo Show. Show number 14. I'm Jimmy Palumbo, your host of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. Show number 14, which we're going to call the Lou Pinella Show. Sweet, sweet Lou, number 14. Chris Gucci behind the glass with me here. What would you say would be your 14? Go with um, Soho. Louis, Louis Soho. Soho. You know what? I saw that. I was thinking about, I was going to say Pat Kelly, which is like, but Pat, I think Louis Soho was better than Pat Kelly. Um, I love Louis Soho. Only because I think Pat Kelly was, they were relying on him a little more to be more. Right. That and, makes and, sense. And he, like he, he didn't pan out. He didn't pan out. Whereas Louis Soho, they knew what, they knew what they had. So anything which, good that he did was a bonus. Right. And, and he, looked, he was. He always looked fat and slow and chubby, but he always like went the first to third on a locker base room hit. guy. He was Great a, locker he, room he, guy. You know what? He was just a really good ball player. I bet he's one of those like ball player, ball players. They Played say. like every single position in the infield. Right. That's great. been how about this? There's been a lot of Yankee middle infielders, sub guys that have worn number fourteen. Right. Even Wade right now is fourteen. That's right. I can't. You, but anybody current, we gotta. You know, we always like to make it kind of funny of an yeah. older guy. But the funny thing is, I believe that any out of shape ball player. That does well. I think the fans like because it, it looks like yourself out there. Yeah. Like anybody who looks like they should be playing softball on Wednesday night, yet they're good, fans love them. But if you're in shape and you're only batting 210, so, fans get Soho would probably in. still hit bombs in a, in a co ed right. softball league. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you're still playing <laughs> bombs. Well, I gotta look, you know what? Maybe we got to look at what's going on, uh, Louis Soho in his life. But this was tough because me and, me and Chris before the show were giggling about number 14. In the previous numbers, obviously they're low numbers, so there's some famous people. There is no like complete standout number fourteen that we can't use, but we, there are a couple. Number one, Dan Fouts. Yeah, we were trying to come up with parameters. So like, right. if you're a Hall of Famer that's been inducted in the last twenty five years, right. you can't you be can't used. Reuse. But like Dan Fouts to me was maybe played a little bit long time ago, so it's maybe the, the kids don't know who he is, even though he he was the first guy to light it up every week. And I think that he's arguably. The best quarterback to not win a Super Bowl. Yeah, people will say Marino, uh, but Marino, I think Fouts, you know. Uh, he, uh, Marie, uh, yeah, well, put it this He's definitely in the group of awesome players. Who never, Marino said like Dan Fouts was better than Eli Manning. Yeah, and Marino yeah. set a crazy high bar early in his career with the right. stats he put up, and he kind of really wasn't what he was early. Miami later just on. didn't have a defense. Anyway, this isn't the Dan Marino show. Yeah, to, but you know what? A couple of guys. Um, that, that, first of all, there, there is one major NBA player, even though he's not. He played a long time ago. Uh, Oscar Robertson, the big O, average a triple double. I yeah, mean, he's arguably he's in the on top every, 10. He's on everybody's top. If you go, to, if you Google 100 sports writers, NBA writers, top 10 players, he's probably in everybody's top 10. And also an old time giant who you're used to seeing him bleeding, kneeling in the end zone. Why a tittle? Veteran quarterback for the Giants. One of the first kind of passer guys that came in. But at the end of his career, he was getting beat up. He was bleeding at the face. And there's a famous picture of him. So, I mean, why Tittle's a Hall of Famer. got to include him. But here's a lousy guy. Here's a Louis Soho from 50 years ago. Gene Woodling was a guy always invited to Yankee old-timers days. When I was younger, there would be like Joe DiMaggio, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mickey Mantle, Yogi Berra, Overzudo. But then it would be like, here's a guy, Gene Woodling. And he would get like that I think it's I think it's great that the Yankees do that, though. I love it. It, well, I, it, I, it literally makes old-timers day oh, for me. Nobody cares. But first of all, there's no really major guys left. I mean, there's no monument guys left. Um, we were trying to think about who's left. Everybody's gone, I think. Whitey Ford passed. Whitey Ford just passed. Yeah, I that. think that's it. Everybody else is like, I'm not talking about the 96. Yeah, I'm talking about... The ones from like, you know, the old Yankee Stadium and stuff. But uh, yeah, so it is the Lou Pinella Show. 
year. Show number 14, that's right. Also, my, my cousin Joey wore number 14 for years for Corona Softball. So it's I'm going to call it the Lou Pinella slash Joey Palumbo Show, who's good friends with um, Johnine and Craig Michaud, who is Absolute Eyewear, our sponsor. So there's a connection there. But my cousin Joey always wore 14. And if we get to show number 44, we're going to have to do an hour on that because that's my number. And also Reggie. Anyway, so let's see. Um, some generalities. Okay, Mets playing well. Yankees stink. Um, I still think the Mets are, ha- uh, uh, you know, a little bit of a smoke and mirrors. But you know what? They're like up seven games in the loss column or something like that. The reason why the Mets aren't is because every fifth day, it stops the bleeding no matter how bad it's going. DeGrom really Grom, is. He's just The other night, even though he left the game with the elbow thing, it looks like he's going to start again. But, uh, dude, he's... Uh, He's, I mean, this is getting a little weird. He's now. batting over 400. He's got five he's, RBI and only four earned well, runs when, on the season. When he pitches, the other team doesn't even like, they, like, you know what? If he, if the Yankees play the Mets and he pitches now, I think, I, yeah, no, it's over. He could pitch a no hitter against the Yankees. I really feel that way. I bet you can bet that in Vegas and the I'm odds, gonna, in other words, if you went to Vegas right now, I want to bet this guy's going to throw a no hitter. It's probably overwhelming odds, right? Yeah. But I think if, if the Grom, I wonder if they even have those. Do they, you think you could Some bet on? Take. Yeah, I think the, I think the odds are only going to be like four to one. Like, yeah, like, it's like a bad bet, you know. Um, but he's just a stud. But the Yankees are just continue to play uh, uninspired, sloppy baseball. The I Yank- think someone. I hate when you go to the, you know, a lot of the daily sports talk shows. Fire him! Fire him! Fire him! I'm not about that. I think he's a lame duck, regardless of what happens. But they're not going to fire him midseason. They got to fire. They got to fire. Fire. You know, fire the guy, uh, the hitting coach. You got to make a move. There's got when you're playing this lousy, you got to make a move. Where I, I think the hitting coach should be fired. I'm sorry, they don't hit like well. a scapegoat. Someone's got to go, and, he, yeah. and it's a wink, wink. So the Yankees got 32 losses in 2018. They were 66 and 32. They had 66 wins or, or in the 60s before they reached 32 losses. Right. Now they're 33 and 32. Yeah, just, and, and, the, uh, the, the, and they got Toronto, who's playing hot. The whole division listen, is playing great. It's the division's playing over their heads. Tampa Bay is going to be the only team left. I think the other teams stink. I really do. Um, but the Yankees are part of that stink. They just, they're awful. Uh, NBA, I, I got really annoyed. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to talk about the Knicks because they're, they're gone now. You got to give Tibbs his credit, though. He did uh, win Tibbs coach won of the coach year. of the year, which I think was a lock. Um, I love him. I love everything he did with the Knicks this year. But this uh, this Jokic foul, like, okay, I'm older than you, and you know, 20 year difference. I'm telling you, that was like just a nice hard fall swiping at the. If ball. you watch Jordan's final shot of his career of of his Bulls career 23 years ago today, watch the highlight before he gets the ball down the court. He does the exact same thing. Yes. No call. No call. Um, and to kick him out of the game, uh, just awful. Um. Listen, they, they were losing the series probably anyway, but like this guy's a major stud, you know. Um, it would be like ejecting Tim Duncan. Yes, you can't do it, and it's all part of that NBA thing. Which I know you kids at home, uh, God, I wish you got. You, uh, people don't realize this generation how awful the NBA is. You got John Morant; he's twenty years you old. He's in the NBA, and he tweeted yesterday that the league is soft. It, it, the, the, the way, and I guess with the fights that went on with Detroit and all that stuff, and the Knicks and, and the Bulls. But it was like it, this three pointer thing is bad for the game. I almost wish they would take it away and would and see how like I don't know or make it. I don't know. It, there's something about the NBA game that is so awful compared to what I watched in the '90s um, that I just you watch the games. You're like, of course, if it's tied up 
102 with a minute to go. It's exciting. Any sport. I can watch a chess match if there's one move, you win it. You know, that's a little bit of a lie. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I can watch yeah. that. But the NBA, I really get the feeling. I never heard someone over 50 go like, I just love watching the NBA now. Everybody's like, yeah, it's like, it's like a negative, And yet there's great players. And the good players today would have been great back in the day. But you know what's crazy? That's one thing people say. LeBron James. They're making more money in the NBA now than they ever were. Right. And I don't mean just the players. I mean the NBA itself is making so much more money so now. It's probably the right business. It's the, right, the business move. And they're international now, which is Yeah, big. it's a whole big thing. And I just, the game itself, like, you know, LeBron would have been an awesome player if he played during the Jordan era. You know, Durant would have been an awesome player. Um, but it would have been a different kind of A awesome. lot of the skills translate still. Sure. But yeah. But you, uh, you know, you have to be just... It, the fouls were harder. Um, I just think he shouldn't. The guy shouldn't have got kicked out of the game. And talking about the Nets, I, I'm in shock. It's two two, even with the injuries. Because um, I had to me, Kevin Durant was by far the best player in the league when he hurt his Achilles. Because he could shoot. He went to the hole. Smart on defense. De- he was doing it all. And now I think he's got a shitty attitude, though. Well, he's got a, he's got a little bit of an edge. It's getting a little bit more. You know, you play in New York; it's different than when you play in these little cities. Nobody cares about. Um, I think you're going to see Durant now. Really, if they're both guys are out for the rest of the series, they're not sure yet, or even if they're hurting. No, Ky- I, Kyrie's out for at least Game Five, and Harden is doubtful for Game Five. So they're right, so going to be that, game, backs are against the wall now. I Let's predict, see what they're made of. I predict that tomorrow. I think they play tomorrow night. I think Durant's going to light it up. I think Durant's going to light it up and they're going to win. I do. But um, I think if they lose, they're in trouble. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I, I just think Durant now, it's, it's on him now. Hey, Durant, you're in New York now. It's the playoffs. You, you don't have this. You didn't, you didn't go from one game from beating Westbrook, you know, when you were with Westbrook and you went to all these great teams. Now you're on a team without these two players. And all you net fans, I think the rest of their roster after after the big three is so great, you're in for a rude awakening now. Yeah, it's like when you play Louis Soho is great, but when he's got to play for a month, he stinks. So these guys, these fill in players, when you could get 20 minutes hard out of Blake Griffin a game, Blake Griffin is Blake Griffin. But if Blake Griffin has to play 34 minutes a game over five games, and we then need, he's going to break need, down. And we need you to score 19. Yeah, different animals. So we'll see. But I think Durant's going to light it up. Because I just think he's such an awesome player. I think he lights it up and they still lose because I think you're not really no, you're not factoring gonna, in how good Milwaukee actually is. I, I, I'm not. I'm definitely not. But I'm going to factor in that I think Durant is going to like not only light it up, but light it up early in the game and late in the game. I think the big storyline after is that the big three is really the big one with two other almost big heads. But Durant was always the better player. You know what the right problem now. is with them now? They have no defense. All of a sudden, and it's not even like Kyrie and, and Harden are great defensive uh, defensive players. They just that, we the the, 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 yeah, the Nets do not play, D, and I think that has a lot to do with like I think the Nets next year with a full camp could be a beast even more than they were. This I year. think that the next the Nets might that band might break up. Could it could because it's you know why the NBA is a player run league, and the players call each other up and say, "Dude, let's get out of here," uh, and they leave. That's another story. Another reason why the NBA is awful. The other thing is. In big, in bigger news is that uh, a couple days ago, Johnny Trino was seen with a soft toss throwing off the mound, um, hamstring injury. I got a personal phone call from Johnny Trino, and his hamstring is pretty much close to being about 80%, and he will be making a guest appearance. 
on Thursday for Chop Sports Network. There's softball. So that's exciting news. It's a rivalry game. It's a rivalry game, and you need Johnny Trino there. Yeah, and this is uh, the final game before the playoffs, the final doubleheader. If you take away your forfeit wins, the way I see it, Johnny Trino was there for four games, and you were 4 0. And what's your record with without Johnny Trino? 0 oh, 6. 0 oh, 6. So, listen, I'm, we're not a gambling show, but I'm saying without Johnny Trino, you maybe bet with the other team. With Johnny Trino, you know, sways the spread there. We shall see. We'll, we'll do more on that next week. Um, so, let's see. Forget about sports for a second. We could talk about sports all day, and I'm not a full sports show. I did a nice thing Friday night. Um, uh, even though it's about sports, it's not really about sports. I hosted this event. It's in town. There's a group called the Challengers, and they play all four sports, but they're all kids with special needs from age, I don't know, maybe from like 12 to even like 24. All kids with special needs. They're the most wonderful kids. It's run by uh, this guy Harry Weber and this guy uh, Glenn Popolo run the team, and they, they play stuff, but they had like an all-star game. So I went there with a microphone. I did Bob Shepard. I did combination of public address and like John Sterling during the game, mocking out plays. And they played against the all-stars, I guess, or traveling squad of the boys, the 13-year-old kids. And uh, the kids knew like to miss ground balls for them, let them run around the bases. It was just a nice event. You, you get humbled. My daughter's healthy. And you see these kids that are just a joy to watch. And uh, they were swinging the bat as hard as they can. Some didn't really, some, were, you could tell they were like decent athletes. Some, you know, just pleasure to watch. And the parents are supportive and everybody cheering for them and their big smile on their faces. So the challengers in Ramsey, it's a great thing. And next year, I'm going to publicize it even more. We're going to have even more fun. So that was awesome to do. Um, yeah, that sounds like something that Chop Sports would definitely uh, like I'm to get down we're on. Gonna get, we'll, we'll do some, at least take some video from yeah. it and make a bigger deal. Um, we're going to do that next year. I, I, but I've been saying that for the last five years that I want to make it a bigger deal. But now look, now you got uh, some help. You got a little gotta, catalyst. You, you, you got it's it's one of those things. It's just, uh, as soon as you're there, you, you, you know. And they had I'm actually, pizza. now I'm pissed. We'll talk after the show. <laughs> but like, you should have brought this up. I did. I didn't. And I... Uh, uh, because uh, there was a chance I was actually not going to make it. I didn't even tell them. But I realize now it's important to have me there because the kids get to hear their name and stuff. And I, there's a lot of ball breaking that goes on above their heads that the, that the uh, adults get a kick out of. But it's a joy. And Harry Weber, who's a big Ramsey guy, uh, he, uh, he invited me to do it. And we have a blast doing it. And, uh, that's a, that's a, I love it. I love doing it. So that was fun. That was on Friday. I also bartended on Saturday night. And this is something you laugh so it's a bar for a 30-year-old birthday party, okay? So my partner in crime, Nadine, set up the bar U-shaped so you can grab everything. But the open end of the U faced faced the actual where the tables were in the backyard, okay? And then I noticed there was a little mat, okay? And then there was a microphone. So I'm there kidding around, blah, blah, blah. We start setting everything up. We're getting ready to go. And all of a sudden, they're like, are you the comic? Are you the comic? I'm like, no, I am a comic, but I'm an actor too. But they're like, no, there's a stand-up comedian's coming. They set up the stand-up where I would be behind the microphone serving drinks with the spotlight like on me. So I'm like, who'd you guys hire? They're like, oh, we didn't know you did. We would have hired you. So I, I see the comics before the show, and I recognize the one guy's face, and they kind of knew who I was. They're like, oh, man, what's going on? I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm bartending right behind you. It's so awkward. So I wanted to show him, like, because I could throw you. But I was like, listen, feel free to bust my balls because I'm right behind you, you know. 
So that they needed some of the intro. So I'm serving drinks for an hour and a half. Then I grabbed the microphone. I'm like, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the comedy show. And I'm like, I'm your bartender, but I'm also a stand-up, but I'm not performing tonight. And some of the guys were like booing, like, we want to hear you, but I didn't want to, you know. You didn't want to upstage. No, no. Yeah, was, it I, wasn't your they thing. They were paying me to bartend. Yeah. Probably made more money bartending than they did stand-up. And uh, so the show starts, and the first guy goes up. And uh, but you know it's tough doing a backyard party, but they had great sound. Hey, if you ever need another bartender to work these parties, I think let me uh, know, bro. Yeah, I think it's going to be Chop Sports is now going to be the Chop Sports Bartending School. That's right. Um, so it was awesome because the guys went up there, and it's tough to do a backyard party. It's not a comedy room. You know what? The two guys kicked ass. Um, Greg Stone and uh, last the, the headliner's last name was Vitter. Um, and he did really well, and they seemed to laugh the whole time. And they made me part of the joke. They're like, I, if I laughed at something, they'd be like, oh, Jimmy laughed at that, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I'm serving drinks, and I'm faking like I'm doing shots behind him. I did it once. I said, I have to upstage him just once. But uh, it was such an odd event. But uh, I had a good time. Ended up having a, uh, getting home way later than I thought. I ended up BSing with some guys. Of course, somebody recognized me from Beer League and all hell broke loose. We're like, what is Johnny Trino doing here? I'm like, shh, don't tell anybody. Don't He's tell at home anybody. nursing his hamstring. <laughs> I don't have a hamstring injury when I bartend. You know what I mean? But uh, it was really, really cool. Also, um, so that was my uh, that was my weekend really. And of course, Sunday, I went to the most fabulous event in the history of uh, this year. My daughter's dance recital. Uh, my daughter had a great time. My mother was there, my sister and my brother-in-law, uh, and uh, Natalie's uh, other grandparents were there, Pop-Pop and Yaya, and my daughter did an awesome thing, but it's just, even though I, I love my daughter, I love when she dances, the way they set it up, three shows, 12.30, 3.30, and 6.30. So as a parent, you got to get there at like 11.30, and... You don't get home till ten o'clock at night, and no matter how literally brutal, you, it's you're like it gets not to say that that is brutal, no, no, but you, you get what I'm. But the time your daughter's not in every dance, yeah. So that's and brutal. I've seen the other dances a bunch of times. So after a while, like, and all the music starts to sound the same. But some of the kids are so awesome. Matter of fact, I'm trying to help one of them out, get an agent in New York. Um, you know, uh, I saw her, and she said, "Hey, can I send you my stuff?" I said, "Yeah, send it to me," and I passed it on. And there's a little nibble there. But the dancers are great, and it's a pretty high-end dance center, so the kids are pretty good. But uh, part of it is also the regular dance place. They have, like, the regular recital. So you see those little four-year-olds out there, you know, good shit, lollipop. There's nothing cuter than watching these little kids dance around, and some of them are, like, walking off the stage at the wrong time. But it's a nine-hour. It's like it's like going to a doubleheader, an old doubleheader at Yankee Stadium in 100-degree heat. But my daughter did great. The King Center was awesome. Nancy King, I'll give her a shout-out. She's been doing this for 50 years. That's a legend right 50 there. 50 years. I don't care, in what, I don't care what you're doing. And if you do it for 50 years, 50, you were a legend. And her, her one kid, her one daughter, was a Rockette for a couple of years. Her other son was on Broadway as a dancer, and he had, now he sells like theater uh, software for like running theaters and lights. He does all that. Her granddaughter was in Matilda. Like, not only does she know how to run a dance place for 50 years, her kids She knows are, how to raise a child. Yeah, that. She can, she can have a family. And her kids actually work professionally, uh, most of them anyway. And her dancers over the years have gone on to do shows. So like, you know, but she also doesn't care about that. She's more about, I don't need a kid. Like, she doesn't care that the kid's never going to be on Broadway. Are you? She thinks like dance for life, and there's a life lessons you learn, and stuff. And I, that's why I love it for my daughter. So all you guys out there that are saying, "Oh, if I have a girl and she's going to dance," that I'm playing softball, 
um, it's still great to see your daughter dance. It's a pleasure, man. My daughter did a great Just job. Do, you let them do what they kind of want to do. Right, of course. And uh, and then again, if anybody's ever coached, like I coach soccer, soccer's the easiest game to coach because you just throw the balls out, you let the kids kick the balls around. Or softball with like girls, seven years old, who plays right field, just swat, you know, they're like getting bored out there. It's brutal. Parents. But dancers, something you drop them off and dance instructors teach them and then they do a recital. So that was my... Uh, that was my weekend there, but uh, it was certainly fun, and uh, I look forward to finding out this week about Johnny Trino and uh, whether he not can make his comeback. And next Thursday. year, next year we'll get you in on the uh, the emergency services cup that we did. Yes, I heard. Now let's see, like, tell me a little bit about this. You guys did your first broadcast of a hockey game. Now I know my you, first broadcast ever. Okay, hockey's tough. How did you guys do with the speed of it? I know these guys are older. Uh, Dave actually did better than I thought he was gonna because you know I just don't know how to call a hockey game, and he kept saying words that I didn't even understand. He's got it at the point, yeah, and you know just things like side. that. But I was there to provide the color. And right. I would just basically say like, oh, why did they, you know, offsides? He's like, I usually turn offsides off when I'm playing the video game. Uh, just things like that. I, like that. But it was fun. Great game. The police department took like an 8-4 this lead. This is uh, Woodbridge Township? Woodbridge Township. Okay. Um, Woodbridge Police Department took an 8-4 to four lead. And the fire department tied the game with six seconds to go. Oh, that's exciting. In regulation. And then Dr. Sean Basker, who's actually yeah, an investor with Chop Sports, Scored the game-winning goal with eight seconds uh, into the overtime. Eight uh, seconds into in, the overtime. Yeah, so goal. right away. Uh, game-winner. So MVP. Pissed. Yeah. And the, the goalie, Rastagarpana was his last name, and his brother was on the police department team. So there was sibling rivalries. Okay. It was a, it was a great, great. I know there's good a, experience. They do a big one in New York with um, the firemen and the cops. It's a big yeah. deal every year. Usually they would get Rangers and Devils players to come play on these right. in these things, but right. they didn't get them this year because of the, the pandemic. But, right. you know. Right. That's cool. Great experience. That's, uh, Good time. Woodbridge Township, cops versus the firemen. Plus, I believe it's going to air on Woodbridge TV 35. Yeah, it'll next, be sometime next, next week. Next week. It'll be on YouTube tonight, though. And it'll be on YouTube tonight. So check that out. And also, uh, I'm glad. I, you know what? I, I wish I, you know, I could have made that. Next year, I'm definitely going to make that. I'm going to have a lot of fun with that. But um, now it's time for our second time in a row. Warren Brumell, attorney at law, our sponsor. Okay, he's an attorney at law, and he is a debt relief debt relief agency that helps people file for relief under the bankruptcy code. Now, I had to say that last line because that's the legal ease. You have to say that. But Warren's been doing this for like 35 years, okay? And he helps people rebuild their financial lives. Uh, he's located in Keyport, New Jersey, but he handles all of New Jersey, and it's all Zoom now. Everything's Zoomed. He can Zoom you in, blah, blah, blah. And if you mention our show, you get a free, that's right, a free initial consultation here when you mention the Jimmy Palumbo show. Um, and Warren, like I said, he's been doing this for 35 years, and he's he's literally, he's, he's processed and filed over 10,000 bankruptcy cases, okay? Uh, great guy, and... Um, uh, he is now a advertiser on our show, but he also does the good thing. His firm, they now they only handle bankruptcies. Okay, he's not a jack of all trades lawyer. He'll be doing a divorce one minute, and next minute he's doing a personal personal injury case. Although I could have used every one of these then, all, all these jack of all <laughs> trades I could have used. Um, funny thing is, I probably will end up using Warren uh, bankruptcy. Um, 
maybe Chris and Dave. <laughs> Everybody's gonna, eventually everyone needs Warren when you file for bankruptcy. Um, but he makes the process simple and affordable. He's got payment plans. Uh, the number is 732-264-3400 or more importantly, www.keyportlaw.com. You go on that website, they got everything there, stuff to fill out, stuff to inquire and all that kind of stuff. Now, listen, um, the, the bottom line is bankruptcy will stop foreclosures, repossessions, wage garnishments, bank livies, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's, what, that's what Warren does. He gives you advice on all of that. You can go check out his five-star reviews on Google, or better yet, you can go to avvo.com, the lawyer review site. I'm sure there's some really funny ones on there because sometimes lawyers, uh, they take a beating, and I'm sure on that review site. But he's got tons of five-star reviews. Um, I only wrote 12 of them. No, that's not true. He's got tons of good five-star reviews on there. And uh, like I said, uh, Warren Brumel. Uh, keyportlaw.com. That's where you want to go for all your bankruptcy needs. That's all he does. Warren Brumel, of course, his brother-in-law was on the show last week, Roger Mayer. And a funny thing happened after the show last week. Um, well, it, it, to me, it's, it's kind of goofy how older people get. We met up with a couple of people um, uh, down at the Maloney's in downtown Matawan, which... Uh, Roger thought downtown Matawan was very nice, and he said, hey, Jimmy, you kind of mock out Matawan. You shouldn't do that. You I was just going to say, you've been beating up on Matawan. But you know what? That's not, I, I really want to, to all my friends in Matawan, um, if you notice carefully, if you were doing research on the Jimmy Palumbo show, it's not that I was mocking out Matawan. I was mocking out the stretch of Matawan, which these Chop Sports Network, uh, it's just its just one of those stretches of a town that's just, uh, to me, is very depressing. But downtown's cute. They got some shops. They got a couple of restaurants. And we went to Maloney's there, which is cool. They got like 70 beers on, even more, maybe 100 beers on tap. I feel like I'm doing an ad for Maloney's, but I'm not. Just all my drunk friends out there. But me and Roger went, and she he invited a, an old friend of ours, uh, Teresa Peichel, or Teresa Peichel McGovern, who married a cop in Woodbridge, uh, Tom McGovern, who I've known Tom since he was little before I even knew his wife. But it's funny when you sit at a bar and you haven't seen each other in 30 years, like we haven't seen Teresa, all you do is you start talking about, hey, who do you hang out with? Who do you still talk to? And no matter who we talked about, it ended up, all we talked about, who's dead? Like it Every conversation ended with, oh, but he lost his wife. Or no, no, no. either their mother just died or someone got sick or they're dead. And I was like, I was guilty of it. I was like, yeah, I was looking at my yearbook uh, when Roger said he was going to do the show. And I'm like, a lot of people have died from my year. So we started going through who's dead. So I look at him I'm like, guys, we used to talk about drinking and partying and rocking. And now we're talking about who's who's got prostate cancer, who's dead, who's getting their checkup. Whose eyes stink? It was so brutal, but we ended up having a nice time. The food's good there. But uh, it's just funny. When you get to my age, you start talking about It's so depressing. And even Roger, who's like happiest guy in the world, was like, let's stop doing this. Stop doing this. Let's only talk about fun stuff, you know. So we started talking about, you know, who was an asshole in, uh, in high school and stuff. And uh, the good news is neither one of us felt that we were assholes in high school. But if someone else got together, they could be saying, remember that guy, Jimmy Plumbo? He was an asshole in high school. But I don't think so. I don't think I was known as an I asshole. Got, I got to be honest. When doing this whole chop sports thing, I got approached by somebody that said, you bullied me a lot. And I was ah. like, no, I didn't. I was like, believe me, I would never, I didn't bully, no way. And he like proceeded to tell me a specific story yeah, that maybe, just stuck out to did. him. And I didn't, he said, he, he was like, it. 
He's like, you weren't really a bully. He just said, you like did something. You said something to me once that like changed me. And I was like, well, I really feel like shit. And he's like, uh, we could joke about it now. I was like, honestly, no, we can't. We, I know. we can't joke about I know. it. Uh, my friend was mentioning something that she ran into someone at a bar in town. Might have been even Big Shots because she lives locally. And the person started to go like, oh, you again? And said something like nasty. And she was like, hey, what's your like, what's your... What's your problem? And then, you know, this girl had like an attitude, but it was, we graduated high school a long time ago. But yeah, when someone says you, you were, you know, um, you did something in high school and that affected them. Uh, and it could be something, either a breakup. Yes, I'm going to go to the prom. They said, no, that affects you. You don't realize it. Uh, uh, you know, but again, the world goes on. You move on. God bless. But you remember that. You know, you remember your first kiss. You remember your first. God bless. You remember a lot of things, but you also remember the first time you struck out on three pitches with a girl. Just you know, was not good enough. Yeah. So I've been self-loathing ever since. You oh, told yeah. me I was like, oh yeah, man, that's the worst. I know. I have a, my some of my brother's friends. My brother graduated five years before me, and um, the goofy thing is, my brother has a unique set of friends. Half of them are really successful, like money wise. And half of them are successful in their own right, but some of them like have done really well. And others, they're very blue-collar guys that make a good living. Don't get me wrong. And they're great guys. But some of them that have done really well, and I wouldn't mention names. He know who he is. Was He terrorized me as the younger brother. I was like so afraid. When he came, when he pulled up in front of the house, I used to lock myself in the bathroom. And I was like, this guy, because he would come in and like hang me over the banister and stuff. <laughs> Some people know who this guy is. And if you told me this story a couple weeks if, back. If, if he's listening to this show, he's going to kill me. I won't say his name out of respect. We love him now. He's the most kindest guy. His family will do anything for you. You call him up, you need something, he's there. But I think to myself, when he was 17 and I was 12, I was like, this guy's nuts. But now when I bring that up to him, he... He uh, he doesn't he doesn't like it like he walks At away. All. He thinks it's like you know, but we have like that's like our old picture. It's your way of getting him back every time you see him now. Say it right. Well, so it's I, like a, he'll lock, he'll lock himself no, he in the room. He walks away. He doesn't like it. <laughs> but I have like our old picture, Turk, who I know is a listener. So Turk, this is for you. Turk was I, I was the manager. Uh, I ran the team when my brother couldn't make it. But they were like my brother's friends. They're five, six years. And Turk might be seven years older than me. Turk was brutal to deal with, just brutal. I mean, I think I've told you the story where my brother would have to call me and say, hey, Jimmy, uh, the game starts at 8.45. These guys get off of work on game day at like 3. They go to the bar. That's six hours of drinking. That's too much time. Like, my brother hated the late games because his buddies would be trashed, and I would come to him, and Turk was such a classic. But he was the best guy to have on the mound. And he pitched, too, so he was center of attention. He was a good pitcher, too. He was the best guy to have on the mound when you were playing a team way better than you. And they go up like six to one, seven, nothing, and they're, you're getting bitch slapped. So who better to have on the mound is the asshole guy who's not going to let the other team, even though they're winning, they're not going to win the battle of like, <laughs> Turk would just start arguing balls and strikes in, in slow pitch softball. It's hysterical. And he once, he threw uh, two balls in a row. And back then you didn't have the mat behind the plate. You had to actually, it was, a, it was a strike call, like your shoulders across your shoulders. And the umpire like didn't call two strikes in a row. So Turk was like, that was a strike, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, I would get he ejected. Threw, oh, you, like, been, you never would have lasted. Turk threw the ball 
over the like a perfect throw, but over the backstop. And you know what the umpire just said? Ball, ball three. <laughs> and we were afterwards at the bar. We were rolling. The umpire was like, "You thought I thought the umpire was going to kick him out, but you can't kick someone out for throwing it over the backstop." He just went ball three, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so great!" But he so got into the other team's skin that I think we only lost like eleven nine. Like we actually, you know, the other team started to like that was classic Turk. Um, but uh, yeah, we we the Turk you could let when I see him now. He's always down uh, down at my brother's uh, shore house. Uh, down in Seagirt. Turk loves to hear all the stories. Like, it's like, like, all I have to do is, ah, Turk, when you played, he just smiles. He loves it, you know. But some guys don't like to, you know, um, uh, talk about when they were younger. But getting back to the story of, you know, last week, uh, it was just so funny to sit and chat and talk about, you know, the old days and stuff like that. You just don't get an opportunity to do that. And, and you know what? Try to hang out with your old friends every now and then because they're old friends for a reason and you giggle and you have a few laughs. So if you've been thinking about meeting your buddy out for a drink you haven't seen in 20 years, do it. Otherwise, you find out they're dead. All right. Well, we all know what time it is right now. It's time for the original favorite live read of all time because we are heading into the segment known as creatively named after years of research we came up with this we hired two ad agencies to come up with this segment and it's called jimmy's bookings which we determined is the worst name ever for a segment but it's so bad we love it now and it's sponsored by absolute eyewear that's right absolute eyewear 42 main street woodbridge new jersey Phone number 732-326-3937. They are a full cervix. Full, full cervix. You can get a, you go get your cervix taken care of there. No, full service opticians and optical place. They got everything over there. They're ran by, it's run by Craig and Johnine Michaud. Family owned, brother and sister. They're opticians. They know everything. Of course, Craig is really famous. If you Google him, he's famous for playing right center field on my softball team for 20 years. They got everything over there. They got prescription eyewear, prescription sunglasses. They got non-prescription sunglasses. They got the prescription safety glasses, the sports glasses. I think they got motorcycle glasses. They got glasses for the kids. Come on out. Contacts. They do eye exams. The best thing about them is that... I always say, like, you don't feel lousy when you're there. They're smiling. They're laughing with you. They make sure you fit. This isn't like ordering online and they get delivered, even though I think they can deliver them to you. They they, they, they fit you. They do it right. They know their products. Um, and they got all kinds of different um, different eyeglasses available. Your attention, please. Different eyeglasses available at Absolute Eyewear. Ray-Ban, Coach Ralph Lauren. Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim, and Costa Del Mar, sunglasses. I just love doing that, even though I always wanted to do Jim Carvalis doing that. That is the Bob Shepard read. My favorite one is Jimmy Choo. If I was Bob Shepard, I would totally dig that one. But they got glasses there, all kinds of budgets. They got senior discounts, AARP, Blue Cross Blue Shield, the whole bit. And of course... If you mention the Jimmy Palumbo show, that's right, $100 off a complete pair of eyeglasses. When you mention the show, please bring a little photo of me from the internet, and maybe they'll give you an extra $10 off. I'm trying to get the mirror complete, the outside windows completely filled, so you get $110 off. Craig's going to be so mad at me. Dude, you cost me another $10. I know, but it's funny. You get to see my picture on the wall. Um, <laughs> the key phrase is a complete pair. You know what's funny? You got If you get the complete pair, you got to get the frame and the glasses, so it's the whole bit. That's how you get the $100 off. My mother went to go see them 
That's the end of the ad, by the way. Absolute Eyewear, Warbridge, New Jersey. They're the best. 732-326-3937. Absolute Eyewear is the bomb. But my mother went there and said, I got to go see Craig and Janine. I go, Ma, you know, just got to mention the ad to get the $100 off. She's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I, they've been so good to me over the years. I'm like, but Ma, it's part of the promotion. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> So I had to call Janine and go, Janine, my mother doesn't want to mention the ad that runs on my show. She starts laughing. She goes, I'll take care of it. But will she bring in the picture? I don't know. Probably uh, probably not. So there's no pictures. Even my own mother, who loves going there, is not trying to get the discount that's available to everybody. That's how you know it's a great place. She's like, I don't even want the discount. Yeah, my mother's like, I'm going there because they're great. And a matter of fact, there was something on Facebook. Someone from Colonia asked, like, what was the best place to go? And I kept saying absolute eyewear. But then I typed in, and if you mention the Jimmy Palumbo show, you get $100 off. I'm like, I'm like, look at me. I'm like whoring out my show to get people uh, a savings. But their prices are good anyway. You're going to love it. So anyway, here we go. Jimmy's bookings. Now, I decided to go with two bookings here. Um, and uh, they're kind of unique. I think it's funny. Well, again, I shouldn't say I think it's funny because then people say if you think it's funny, then maybe it's not funny. Okay, the name of the movie was um, Begin Again, okay, directed by J- uh, John Carney. Uh, the movie has uh, Mark, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Kira Knightley, James Corden's in it, and Haley Steinfeld. And these were big stars, they still are. And I was so excited because it shot right in Manhattan, right like a block away from the Empire State Building. And so when I got there, I had to be a play a guy in a guinea t-shirt. I'm like... This is so bad. All these hot chicks bouncing around. They're not going to be like fat bastard. And a wife beater. In a wife beater. I look like <laughs> such a with my with my white ruddy skin hanging out. I'm going to look terrible. Looking like a sausage case. Right, I'm going to look terrible. This fat slob. <laughs> They're going to think I was like you know there to put the drop ceiling in or something like that. So so I show up and. You had to show up, in, in, and I knew I had to be yelling out from a window. Did you have gravy on your belly? Uh, I was like, I just looked, it was, and the, 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 with the wardrobe lady, like, it didn't fit right, but she thought it was funny if it didn't fit right. I was like, no, it's not funny. So I wore, like, a jacket over it until they were ready. I was so embarrassed. So, um, uh, so, so I get in the room, and all of a sudden, I, they're all there, like, hanging out, because it was on, like, not, it was, like, a, a, a on location. And I'm like, oh, my God, Mark Ruffalo, I'm sitting there, and within... I was. I saw him for about forty seconds, and all of a sudden, uh, an assistant director was, "Okay, Jimmy, we got to go to your spot." I'm like, "Okay," thinking like, "Where's it going to be?" I had to go outside to another building, okay, on the ninth floor because they were doing a scene on a patio and the band's playing, and I had to think that the band was too loud and I had to yell at them. So I go in there. So I had to hang out in a room by myself with a walkie-talkie. And the guy goes, I'll just, just hang out here, and I'll let you know. I'll just talk to you over the walkie-talkie when I want. So I'm like, I didn't get to see none of them at all for three hours. I, they sent somebody up to see if I want to call for you or something, which I took them, took them up on. I wasn't allowed to leave, so I'm looking down. So I'm looking down at this cool band jamming, but I was across the street. I'm sitting there going, this is the worst. I'm, I would have been hanging out, BSing, you know, making connections, whatever. I'm in this room. They couldn't they throw you a bone and be like, hang out for another hang hour out. and a half. We'll go, no, send you up when it's your time. In, 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 you know, I was in position. 
So three hours go by. <laughs> so a security guard comes in from the building, you know, and he's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, no, nah, I'm here uh, for the film shoot. He's like, oh, they, they mentioned something. What's going on over there? I'm, I'm showing him. like, look, they're shooting down there. So he goes, well, you don't have a good view. I'm like, yeah, I know, pal. So he goes, well, I'll sit here with you. So <laughs> for three hours, me and this security guard sat there. <laughs> like, I'm like, ah, how long have you been at it? I was like, ah, I worked in this building. And I'm thinking to myself, big Hollywood actor Jimmy Palumbo is sitting with a security guard. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Incredible and Hulk. Kira Knightley, who's smoking hot, is, uh, you know, of course, Haley Steinfeld was only like 18 at the time. But I was like sitting there. So then the walkie-talkie came in and he goes, okay, Jimmy, get in position. So I had to lean out. Now, I'm actually, they opened the window, so I'm actually yelling across like 31st Street to the other side. And the lines were like, hey, pal, hey, pal, I want you to knock that off too loud, like the boring way. So I immediately just started screaming at them, hey, lower that music. But then I'm like, okay, Jimmy, you're even more angrier. So I even got more angry. Now I'm screaming. Across, now I'm thinking, wait a minute. This is my voice can be loud when I want it to be. I'm like, I'm actually yelling like the Broad City thing. From I'm yelling to like there's apartments there, like some guys, and they did it with like fake music, so no one actually heard the music. So in other words, here's a guy yelling out the window to lower the music, and it's been no music. So then they're like, oh, you can curse now. So I'm like, oh, really? Okay. So I was out there yelling like, you motherfucker, you know, that kind of thing. And I added every curse. I think it probably threw out some Italian cold cuts in there. And um, so it was completely uh, yelling and screaming. But then we did take after take. Now I realized I'm looking down at this patio across the New York City street. I could see Kira Knightley, Mark Rue. I could see them. And they're, they're looking up at me, and I could see they're like, they had lighting on me from the inside of the place. So you could see like this white guinea t-shirt, my gut hanging out, but they couldn't, you know, probably, actually probably look better for me. I look tougher, you know. So about, there must have been 10 takes. I'm screaming and screaming and screaming. So we got done. They go, okay, that's good, Jimmy. I got a standing ovation for Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley because they were like out of nowhere. Think about how funny that must have been for them. They're sitting there doing their scenes. They look up at a cross the street window, pretty high up too. Some guy in a guinea tee screaming across the way. And they give you a big standing ovation. And the, the director said, ah, Jimmy, the cast loved that. Thank you so much. I'm like, all right. Of course, in the movie, it's always on cable. Begin again. You see me only for like a split second. They cut off half the, the, the funny stuff. I thought so. But when I came back, I think, oh, now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna be able to like maybe I'll be able to mingle a little bit. I got back. There was another assistant director like at the front of the building. Was like, all right, Jimmy, we're good. Here's your bag and stuff. You're good to go. <laughs> I never. I was. I was on the train ride back to New Jersey, and like eight minutes later, I'm like, this was the most unfun booking of all time. And he get all I did was scream out a window. So when you see the movie, look for the fat bastard sitting out of a room. <laughs> the other, the other booking I had is a current show, actually, the TV show um, that I think is funny. This, this might be a cocky, I played well thing, which I don't usually do. I never talk about my acting because I don't know how good I am. Some people say I'm good. Some people say I suck. Who knows? It doesn't matter. To me, it's it, are you making money? You're getting bookings, and you qualify for your health benefits. That's 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 how low the bar was. I wanted to be a star at one point, but I realized that I'm much better at qualifying for my health benefits and doing a podcast, a non-revenue generating podcast for Chop Sports Network. I think it's going to happen. Is Chop Sports Network is going to become like the most famous network in the world, and I'll be their worst show on the network, and you won't be able to get rid of me. He's like, well, we can't get rid of Jimmy. Like he got us an intern. Yeah, you know, I can't you get rid put of us in touch and with then, this and guy. Then, and it's going to be like, well, that was. 
15 years ago. He's an old man now. He's still talking about, you know, bad Knicks. But um, so I did this booking. I don't know where that segue came from. But I did this booking on a show called FBI, which is still on now. And it's with um, a pretty hot actress named Missy Paragrime and this uh, other actress called, uh, uh, I think his name is Zeko Zaki. If I'm blowing the name, I don't mean to do that. But that's his name, how it's spelled out. And it was uh, the first season. It was episode four. And we shot it in Staten Island. And Staten Island is one of those boroughs, even though New Jersey's right next to it. I never really, I, I've gone to certain sections of Staten Island where you go through uh, Gothel's Bridge to the Varanzano. But there's portions right where the Staten Island Yankees play, down in there where the ferries are. I'm just never down that way, you know. So I'm driving around, I figure it out. And I would, I, I, they got me there at like 6 a.m. And I'm like, okay, I'm figuring I'm going to be shot first. Usually when you get there early, you get out earlier. I'm looking at the sh- the sheet and I'm like man I'm like I'm in like the seventh scene of the day like what but the good thing is after nine hours you go in overtime you get time and a half a double time you know so I was like okay I had my little trailer I had my computer I always bring my computer plenty of reading newspapers magazines so I was able to go up for a little bit check everybody out for a second so I could walk to the set they were shooting outside I got to meet the two people but they were looking at me like Hey, how are you? They didn't know who I was. Of course, I'm Googling them going, these guys, they got like nothing on their resume. Now they're leading a network show. Like, do they realize the break this is? They're going to be on a network show making big money. Who knows? Maybe 35, 40 grand a week. And the rest, they had stuff on their resume. But it wasn't like they were like, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God. Of course, I got jealous and pissy. But then they were so nice. I started BSing with them. And then I went back to my trailer for seven hours. I got to the point where you're not supposed to go out of your trailer or go get coffee. But it was like a little bad coffee shop. I started to lose my mind. I walked over. Um, I got coffee at a place. They yelled at me, Jimmy, you can't leave your trailer. Security reasons. I'm like, nobody's nobody's coming after Jimmy Palumbo. <laughs> I, look, I look like a guy from Staten Island who should be going into the deli with coffee. So I went there and I ended up talking to that guy for a while. But he had these great Danishes. I, so I brought the coffee back. So... Then I'm looking, I'm like, wait, this is an outdoor scene. So it gets to be like 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock. And next thing you know, there's delays, whatever. So by the time I got up there, it was, the sun was starting to like, you know, because they want to, they always bring you up like an hour before you're going to, to the set. to. Uh, and I'm like, so I'm sitting there underneath this tent. And I hear one of the producers going like, how many shots we got left? How many shots? Because it had to be done all outside with the sun. And it's very hard to replicate sunlight you can add it with with lighting to keep it like in other words but you it, it can't you can't but once shoot, it's gone it's gone it's over and you can't replicate sunlight you can only add to it a little bit so the sun sets in the summertime it was hot out it was summertime what, like 8 30 give or take 8 25 so it was getting like 7 40 7 45 and i could tell one of the producers i heard him he goes we got to get this last shot in because it was a kind of a critical part to the, the storyline so I heard him kind of, he didn't yell at the director. And the director was a guy named uh, Arthur Fournay, who's been directed like five million shows. But I could tell they were like, it's a new show. And they were like, you got to get all these shots in. Yeah, we got it. We got it. So they started adding some lights. And that means these big lights, all these lighting guys are awesome. These, these union guys, they could put up these massive lights to, to add a little love. But you still need the big sun to give you the major love. So... The lighting guys clicking the lighting monitor all around. Finally, okay, Jimmy, you're up. So now I have to do my scene. And now all of a sudden, it was like four minutes until we couldn't shoot anymore. 
and it was on a Friday, last day of the episode. So, like, we had to get this done. Otherwise, my part was going to be cut out, which at this point I still get paid. But so we're going in, and all of a sudden, the two actors look at me, and I could tell they were like, and who is this slob going to do this scene? Because a lot of time actors forget their lines. They screw up. It could, we, we only had— And you were you were stepping to the plate with right, two outs two in the outs. bottom of the nine. And I could feel so. I'm, all of a sudden, I, was, I, I stepped away for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. They're asking me to go up to the free throw line and sink two free throws and win the game. I'm a good free throw shooter, but I'm not 90%. I'm like, you know— but the and I'm like so. Finally, the director. But you get a base hit though. Uh, well, so you, you it, it's it, the pressure was completely on. So I could feel the pressure. The lighting guy was like sweating bullets. I could feel it. Everybody was like, "We may not get this in. This is a problem." And I could see the two actors who are you know they're not stars now. They probably are, but the show's been on for three or four years now. So they look at me, and all of a sudden, I was like, "I was like Jimmy, I'm playing a landlord, a jerk off landlord." You got this. There was some dialogue, though, uh, a decent amount of dialogue. I was like, Jimmy, just do your thing. Just go. So no no rehearsal. Cameras get set. First time the cameras are on them, shoot the money. So we do the scene, and I nail my scene right out of the box. But the camera really wasn't on me. So now we get took – now we're getting like – we did two or three takes. They, they The director said, that's good. That's good. I could tell. He probably wasn't even looking at the monitor. Then they have to do a change to get the cameras back on me. And these guys did it. Tell you, these New York City production crews, man, they're the best in the world. I mean, I know L.A. has a lot of stuff too, but you don't mess with these guys. Everybody looks like everybody looks like a like a Jet fan. I know you probably have some L.A. listeners, but no, I, does I'm that surprise saying, you that yeah, New York? The, the New York guys are just yeah. they're out in the street. It's hot. It's a long day. It's Friday. Long, you know that kind of thing. But these guys are like, "How much time we got? We got it." Like you know, and like I said, everybody looks like Vinny from Queens. They look like guys that should all be on your softball team, or guys that probably will kill someone if anybody you know does anything wrong. So now the cameras are on me. Now I was like inside, I'm going, Jimmy. You know, they usually do two or three takes. I was like, you, you, you got to nail this. (laughs) Like the cameras on you. This is it, bro. You got to nail. And I, I, for some reason, I wasn't nervous. It was more like I get it. We're out of time. You got to nail this. And it's so funny. We talk about showbiz and career. I tell the kids all the time whenever I'm mentoring someone, there comes a time where you have to deliver the goods. Uh, you could be creative. You can, But at the, the microphone, you go. You got to deliver. You got to get the base hit. You got to hit the home run. You got to win the game. Uh, and that's how showbiz is. I don't care what anybody says. Talent. Oh, the process. Nonsense. There comes a time where you got to nail it. And I'm thinking to myself, if I blow this, it'll be so bad. I want to hang. I, 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 I'd be. I would have died in Staten Island that night, dude. Three takes was like it was like boom, boom, boom. Bang. Nailed it. We get out. Literally, the two actors were like, "Oh my god, thank you so much." She goes, "We didn't know who you were. We thought maybe." Meanwhile, I'm like, "You know, who I am. I'm Johnny Trillo." No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I wanted to though. I'm like, "Yeah, I've only been doing this for thirty, you know, twenty five years at the time." But even inside, I was like. I acted cool, like, oh, of course, of course I was going to get a base hit there. The director came over and was, oh, man, you saved my ass. It was like, everybody was like, oh, that guy nailed it when we had to need him. But I walked away as if, like, no big deal. But as soon as, as, soon as I got back to, like, my trailer in the car, I was like, I started going, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. Um, but it was awesome. I had, to get these, I had to get these, like, seven or eight lines done. And we had, like, no time. And literally by the time I got to my car, it was pitch black, pitch black. Um, 
But that's my FBI show. It's still on the air now. I think I was in season one, episode four. I think it was called Crossfire. About a guy who was taking his rifle up to buildings and shooting people. But um, that's my story. It's the Jimmy Palumbo played well story most of the time. Not like Ugly Betty where all you see is my... They, they Literally, I did a show... I'm going to bring up a third show for no reason. A show called Ugly Betty, which I think I have one line of playing a cop. And the camera literally just centered on my second chin. So I call that the chin episode. Literally, when you watch it, all you see... Especially you got the, the Jimmy played there, well. Jimmy played the, well, the chin. and then Jimmy Plumbo's fat now uh, on Ugly Betty. Um, that's <laughs> Nobody was really nice on the set. That's another story. So uh, that's it. Two segments there. Begin Again and FBI, season one, episode four. Uh, but check out Begin Again. It's actually a really, really nice movie. Cute little movie. Kind of movies they don't make anymore. They should make movies like it. And you know what? Kira Knightley for three, got it. She's, a she's from Pirates, Pirates uh, yeah, of the Caribbean. She's, just, she just, she's Durant. That's the one I'm thinking about, right? Pirate, yeah, she know. was with Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't even it. know. I just yeah, know she her. Was. She was in a bunch of stuff. All I know is... Kira Knightley is smoking hot and she's sweet and she hits three pointers whenever you ask her to do that. Um, it's funny, people that I think are nice, she could be a real pain in the ass, but she wasn't uh, wasn't to me in the twenty seconds that I met her. She was very nice. But she uh, gave you a standing ovation. I always see her on interviews, she seems cool, and I think she's smoking hot. And she's in like good movies too. She's a badass. Kira Knight and Mark Ruffalo, um, who I met on another thing. He couldn't be nicer. He's another good. He's another one of those you love to hear because everyone's like, "Oh, Hollywood, the left, Hollywood, they suck." But yeah, you know, what they don't know is ninety percent of us. I'm not really putting myself in Mark Ruffalo's category, but a bunch, there's a lot of actors out there who are just nice people and they love the process and stuff like that, and they love being nice and they're friendly, like just like when you go to an office, the secretary's nice, the janitor's nice, the same and just way. like in real life, there's asshole people that aren't actors. That's right. There's you like know? you know, there's a jerk when you go to the pizzeria. You know what I mean? Just like here at Chop Sports Network. There's uh, people here that uh, you know. No, actually, I, I actually I hired everybody here, so they're all yeah, they're they, all your people. They all work for me. Um, so anyway, I just we just found out that our intern might be leaving soon. Uh, no, not might. He is. I know, but I'm trying to burn down his apartment in Hartford, oh. so he can't go back. <laughs> trying to talk him into staying. We got we got some things lined up for him to do remote. You yeah. know how it is now. I know everything's remote now. Matter of fact, will be there. Will there be a day where Jimmy Palumbo does the show from his couch? You'd be so disappointed. Obviously. I think that I don't think that you are even willing to at this point. I think that you you've we've kind of built a little rapport. There's a little here. rapport here. You're behind the glass. Yeah. You know? uh, matter of fact, we I want to get a fake piece of glass. Just and put it up so I can prop it up in between. <laughs> That's so funny. Chris Gucci here, of course. Dave Sturcio who does a lot of my videos and stuff. Which for some reason we haven't seen a Johnny Trino video. I sent them like ten of them. We haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. So I guess Dave's been busy doing hockey games. Um, I can't wait to talk to my marketing man tonight. I know the fans are clamoring for more uh, Jimmy Palumbo slash Johnny Trino videos on the and Chop Father Sports Paul Network. and Father Paul, who I think right now what we're going to do, uh, I'm going to make this announcement right now. I think I'm going to have Father Paul on next week, and here's why: he was devastated that I had my buddy Roger on. Uh, Is he going to come in studio? He's going to come in studio. That's amazing. I'm make him good, drive good. down here because he told me you didn't invite me. I'm like, dude, you. You have priest duties on Monday. You told me you work on Monday. He's like, I can move stuff around. I want to come do it. But I'm not driving down with him. I'm going to you know, make him come here. Uh, I'm going to make the time off so he comes down later. But maybe I'll drive in the same car with him. But I'm going to have a priest on my show. And he just heard you say that. Yes, he's listening. <laughs> so 
So, Father Paul, guess what? You're going to have to blow off your parishioners <laughs> to come down to the. But you're leaving the pr- place anyway. I know where you're going, but maybe they don't. You have to make that announcement. I'm also hosting. It'll be the week before I'm, uh, I'm involved hosting his going away luncheon. Um, which, by the way, I was supposed to go see Molly Hatchett and Marshall Tucker and like Blackberry Smoke up at a concert in North Jersey. But instead, I'll be hosting a priest event. So, Father Paul, you know I love you. It's very Christ-like, Jimmy. Right. It's, 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 I'm doing my good deed because I love you and you're the man. So we're going to have Father Paul on very soon, hopefully next Monday. Um, but, yeah, so that's my two bookings. And um, I think we had a pretty good show. It was fun being down here in Matawan, New Jersey. I have to talk about Matawan. You know what I'm going to do next week? I'm going to research a little bit about Matawan instead of about how people died 100 years ago in shark incidents. I'm going to I'm going to do like a pro, a pro Matawan podcast next week. Maybe talk a little bit about whatever Indian tribe used to live used in to Matawan. Live here, the history of it, some famous mayors. Maybe I'm going to mention the current mayor. Um, hopefully he's not most mayor doesn't seem like in New Jersey every third mayor is getting indicted on something yeah and I'm not even sure Matawan's one of those weird towns where do they even have a mayor they must have a because mayor because it's like Monmouth County and Middlesex County it's it's one of those weird oh it's weird you no, got Old Bridge half the kids go to Old Bridge and half of them go to right, we're gonna we're gonna Matawan. we're gonna we're gonna educate ourselves about that because I'm gonna be the guy who puts Matawan on, on the map. map. That's it. The downtown Matawan getting involved here from the Omni in Atlanta. By the way, I'm telling you guys, when these T-shirts are available on the uh, – Chris just showed me the website is really coming along. And right around July 1st, hopefully on July 1st, we're going to have some merchandise from the Jimmy Palumbo show is going to be available. Uh, and I just bought my brand-new 706 hat, which I did not bring down today. But you're going to see my baseball hat that says 706. I, I actually almost gave you shit about the Lou Gehrig hat because it's a Yankee hat, but not the Yankee hat. No, But, but I understand the reasoning the, why it's I, Lou Gehrig Day and it's a family thing and your father was a Lou Gehrig guy. So I let it slide, but I was going to comment and say, Jimmy, that's not okay. a real Yankee hat. Okay, number one, but it says Lou Gehrig on it. And it also is in the exact same colors. It's actually a, a hat, not like the one, like the one you're wearing right now, again, not bad, but it looks like something from the 70s beyond Bad News Bears if you were on the Matawan Little League Yankees, which is, you know. But you, who bought that? Your mom, your My dad? My mom's listening to the show, and she definitely bought it. It was a birthday present. We've had okay. this discussion, but. Uh, but So you didn't wear You were supposed to wear an original one every week, but you haven't. So you even lost your own segment right there. I don't even know why I'm discussing. That is a lousy Yankee hat. But your mother loves the show. I'm going to see her maybe on Thursday. Yeah, you definitely will. She's a huge fan of the Chop Sports Softball team. You know what? I'm going to do. I think what we're going to do. We're going to have your mother on in two weeks. It's good. You know what to do? Like we're going to do like a mother segment where I'm going to have all the mothers on. My mother, everybody, and we're going to we're going to discuss stuff. All the skeletons will come out of the closet. All right, that's it. The Jimmy Plumbo Show, show number fourteen. The Lou Pinella slash my cousin Joey from Corona and YA Tim and Oscar Robinson and Dave and Soho and Louie Soho is definitely in the two hole right there. Take it easy. Where have you come from? Where have you-